Hello and welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out in the past 10 years, year by year. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also as Pop-Tart. Hello. And here with Mikey, also known as Keylock. Hey, what's up? And like I said, for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. Or I should say, we did drill down the top 10 games of that year because this is the final episode. This is the best games of the decade episode. Woo! Um, yes. So, so much excitement in, jazz in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> jazz hands, yes. We are finishing up the series. Uh, before we go any further, I just want to welcome anybody back. And I would imagine that if you're listening to this, I know. Actually, no. Maybe this is your first episode because you just wanted to get right to the end. What's the best games of the decade? And so, welcome. But hey, for everybody else who's been listening to the show, uh, welcome back. And like I've been saying for the past, uh, this is episode number twelve. So the past eleven episodes, you know, we're always value your feedback. So if you want to give us some feedback on Twitter, just hit us up on the Mash Network on Twitter and in Discord at discord.me/slash/mashthosebuttons. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show and about our picks and, and so on. And usually this is the part where I talk about the lock-in system, but I'm not going to do that because for the best games of the decade, we had no lock-in system. There were no safe picks. You couldn't force anything on the list. No journey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was worried. that I, I think he might have been worried I actually would have done that to him. So, yeah, there are no lock-ins. But what we are going to do, instead of just hopping directly into the list because, I mean, we have talked about these games before, uh, so you know we um, there's no need to 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 really expand too much on them. So instead of just going directly into the list, we're actually going to talk about a couple other things first, and we're actually going to start with the publishers and developers that, according to our list, did the best this year. You know, so I uh, went through. And I tallied up every publisher and every developer from every game. And we have a list of, uh, you know, how many games each publisher and each developer on, you know, actually made the list this year. So that was 100 games that we, you know, 10 years, 10 games. So that was 100 games that we went over. And um, to no surprise to me, in terms of publishers, Sony kind of cleared house. You know, Sony did very well. Yeah, with the 13, 13 games on a list. <laughs> yeah, I that was very impressive. Like yeah, th- 13 it, games in 10 years. <laughs> More than one game per year. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's good yeah, for owning so, all those little in-house studios you got going on over there. <laughs> yeah, like, like not only do they, they own a bunch of first-party studios, but those first-party studios generally, for the most part, focus on single-player experiences. Mm-hmm. EA thinks they're nuts. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like, EA will probably be like, man, those guys over at Sony are crazy. But yeah, I mean, Sony has had this strategy for quite some time where they have first-party studios, and yeah, they just have delivered great games, at least one game per year. Their best year was 2018, delivering three games and actually let me pull that up real quick what games were that they had god of war spider-man and detroit become human all made the list for 2018 so great job the sony and I, microsoft definitely helped them with the launch of the xbox but then again it's not like if microsoft's xbox would have launched 
better. Like if they would have launched it better, like at the time, Microsoft still didn't have a, a, a ton of first party studios, you know, putting out like great games or just first party studios, period. Um, I don't know why they let go. Of double, I don't know why they let Double Helix go work for Amazon. Like I don't, I'll never understand that whole intro, that whole thing. Yeah, I, I don't know, but that wasn't that after Phil Spencer took over. I think so. I don't know. It was like Double Helix made Killer Instinct, and then basically Double Helix got bought by Amazon, and then basically Killer Instinct then on out was done by Iron Galaxy. It was it was weird. Right. Well, has Killer Instinct really suffered because of it, though? Mm -hmm. No. Nah, nah, it was probably a good decision then. <laughs> you know, if this was a the pre-Phil Spencer decision, like, you know, making, I, I'd have a bit more question marks. But Phil has done a great job of pulling them, you know, out of the shit, so to speak. Right. They are, they are now poised to compete. Not just with Sony. Actually, Microsoft is the one that ended the console war. Back in, I think it was like 2015 or 2016 when they said, we don't care if you play Xbox games on the Xbox. That was it right there. Console war over. <laughs> like that, that, that told you everything you needed to know about what's about to happen this year in 2020 and going forward. You know, I mean, we're on the verge of seeing Xbox Live on the Switch. Microsoft's putting as much games, as many games as they can on PC. We have entered the age of the store wars, you know, so, but a uh, second up in terms of publishers was Nintendo, which that actually did surprise me. That didn't surprise me actually. Cause I was thinking yeah. about it today. I was like, what? Like I was thinking of like the big ones like Ubisoft and EA or whatever. And I was like, man, Nintendo's done a lot of shit. Like they're going to be up there. I I'm kind of surprised that it was like number two, but I saw it and I was like, yep, I thought about that <laughs> it was like one game away though like there was it was a t it, it's it's like really close it's 12 they have they have 12 games that they publish that's in terms of publishing yeah, we'll publishing, get to development yeah. a little later so yeah the 12 games they published which it's a little sporadic like you can see in the beginning of the decade they only have like one game in 2010 they have three games in 2013 four games in 2014 so let me see what games are those quickly in 2014 they pushed out smash brothers mario kart bayonetta 2 and a pokemon game you could thank christina for that one it would be 11 if it wasn't for her <laughs> so <laughs> they made the list uh but yeah so yeah they 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 and then later this year they pushed out you know in the decade sorry 2017 2018 2019 they had four games you know total so Two in 2017, one in 2018, 2019. You know, they really like, they really wanted people to buy that Switch in 2017, pushing out Mario Odyssey and Zelda in the same year. Yeah, they, they, they just shot everything at the Switch and was like, here, y'all ain't complaining about no games on this system, pretty much. Like, here are two juggernauts. I mean, that Pretty was much. refreshing, too, because I'm I'm excited for PS4 and Xbox One, like not PS4 and Xbox One, PS5 and Xbox Two, whatever. Um, the Xbox Series, series X, X, please, ma'am. Please, ma'am. I can't wait for respect, Xbox. Please. I can't wait for the next thing that's coming to Xbox Game Pass is really what I want to say. Like, I don't, 
Well, that's the thing. Like PS4 and Xbox One were so dead when they came out because there was like nothing. There was no game passes. There were no games, nothing. At least Nintendo was like, yo, here's Zelda. Like, boom. And then a month later, oh. here's Splatoon. Boom. Honestly, yeah. Like, and even the like middleware games that were on the Switch weren't like bad launch games. Like ARMS is not a bad game per se. No. Like... There are there were the, the switch launched solidly like they had a lot of games for a lot of different people. But you're right, like PlayStation 4 launched and it was like what knack and Killzone Shadowfall like that was it. Yes. Oh, yeah, I played I played knack too. I was like, God damn, like they made two of these. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Mark 30 worked hard building the PS4. He's getting his fucking games made. <laughs> Dude, yeah. like that was a, like I'm like Killzone Shadowfall. That's what 2014 was like what a year man first of all the xbox just like tripped and fell down a hill and just rolled for two more years <laughs> and <laughs> the ps4's like releases were just they were tech demos like knack was a demo it was like a like look at all the particle shit you can do like you know the voice acting oh that's why i was my that was the most hated part of knack for me they had the hulu guy do the voice of knack it did not fit at all it didn't fit at all. Like that, that, that was the thing. Like I tried Knack for free. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. Like I can't do this. So now actually another surprise to me is that EA got third. EA has nine games on the list, which for a company that has been consistently hated across the decade, you know, I think that like EA reached the height of their popularity with like bad company Two. And the Medal of Honor that they put out, short, I think the next year, I think it was 2011, that they put out that Medal of Honor. And after that, it was just like people just hate on EA. Anything EA did, they were getting shit for. But here they are with nine games on the list, you know. So, good for them. Then we have Square Enix at, that has eight games uh, from the, you know, from the past, uh, you know, ten years. And then Microsoft, finally, with seven games. So that was actually a bit surprising. Me. I thought it was going to be lower because, as I said, the Xbox One's launch was a complete failure, pretty much. And they still managed to get games on the list. So, and actually, not even like, well, I guess maybe, well, you could blame me because I put Forza. I was going to say, because all of them are Forza. Like, most of them are Forza. No, not all of them. Half. half are Forza. <laughs> there was only one Forza on the Oh, sure. wow. There's only one Forza on there. Uh, the rest, I think, are smaller titles. Like, let's see, from 2010. Like, what is it from 2010? It is Limbo. Limbo. From 2010. Oh, they from, published. That's right. Because of. X they published Limbo, yeah. Right. The arcade. That was about Summer of Arcade, yeah. Uh, let's see. There is. Did they make one in 2011? Uh, I have them here in 2011. There is one 2011 one. Yeah, so there's one in 2011. I just, uh, I can't find it. I want to say it's a bad sign when you don't notice that Microsoft is the publisher, but they published it. Right, yeah. Forza Horizon was in 2012. Yep. Uh, 2013, did they have Nothing. one in 2013? Mm -hmm. Nothing, Nothing in 13, 14. There's two in 15. And two in 15. Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. Oh, yeah. And then oh, Halo yeah. 5. yeah. And that's 2017, Phil Spencer, by the way. That's it. Yeah, 27. And then 2017, and that's it. Well, yeah, there were so. two in 2012, but 
2017 was what? Oh, Cuphead. So yeah, Cuphead. So yeah, like I said, not like a bunch of blockbuster games. No, mostly indies. Indies that got published. Yeah. 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 Smaller, smaller games. So. Uh, that's cool. But yeah, so I was like the top five for publishers. For developers, Nintendo's actually sitting on top with six games from the last 10 years that made the list that they, that they actually developed. And that's like Nintendo, they have, well, they, they, like their development series, like it's like EAD, EPD. Like I'm not even sure what they stand for, to be honest with you. But I guess their internal teams, plus they have like Game Freak. Uh, so I guess there'll be more. If you counted their internal studios, then it'll be like Game Freak would have counted. Uh, Smash was actually Banco, uh, Bandai Namco. <laughs> Band- 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 Namco. No, you can just call them that. Bandai Namco, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Namco. everybody does that when they try to say Bandai Namco. It's just the merge of the two words. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird that this is a decade without a retro game studio game making a list. Like, I don't think Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze made it. I don't think. No, no. Yeah. And that's all they really, that's all they put out was Donkey Kong Country Returns, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So. Right. Now, another surprise, Blizzard was like, well, I guess tech, it's, a, it's a tie. It's a f- one, two, three, four, five-way tie between <laughs> Blizzard, Capcom, Nether Realms, Rockstar, and U- Ubisoft. Ubisoft, sorry. Who I, who would have thought Capcom would be said in the same breath as fucking Blizzard? It's in all this at the end of the decade. I it's know, but that's, the- but that's the surprising <laughs> part. They pumped out, like, games at the end of the decade, like, hold on, guys. We're coming back. <laughs> like, Everything. They, two in 2019. What was it, like, Resident Evil and what Monster else? Monster Hunter, probably. Monst- no, Monster Hunter is 2018, and Resident Evil... Seven was in 2017. So let me. Resident Evil see. 2 and Devil May Cry 5. Devil May Cry 5. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything that, not that, a fighting game. Well, okay. You know, so we have like, okay, Blizzard, Capcom, Rockstar, and Ubisoft. You said you're surprised about Capcom. How about Nether Realms? Like, Nether Realms. Oh, that's because of that's me. Yeah, that's 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 because of me. Every to be fair, though, y'all could have fought yeah. those off, but you know the campaigns were good. <laughs> Every Mortal Kombat made it. Every Mortal Kombat from this decade made it. Because they were good. <laughs> Except for the net code in nine. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, especially like nine at the time was good. Now, I actually went back and played it a little bit. I was like, oh, shit. God damn. This, this is rough. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't don't you know. compare MK11 to MK9. It's not pretty. No, no they, they definitely. Yeah, they definitely. Uh, you made can still, some major strides, to say the least. You could still compare MKX to MK11, though, I feel like. I mean, there is, you can see the graphical difference a bit, but like, I think X and 11 are closer together than what some people think. Mm, probably, yeah, I would agree with that. So, yeah, besides that, let's see, BioWare, they made it three times. So, two, one Dragon Age, two Mass Effects, Respawn, they made their they're three. Titanfall 2, Apex Legends, and Star Wars, and Square Enix, and Platinum Games. They, I they, would they made shout it. out to Platinum Games and Square. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, that, like I, I, out of that list, the two that do surprise me were Nether Realms and Respawn, to be honest with you. Those are the ones that 
really that, that surprised me. I shouldn't have been surprised about respawn though, because like, well, yeah, but they didn't have their their big two. They got two games at the last year, so like that's they the got crazy two, part. They do. They got two games at the last year, and I mean their big coming out this decade was Titanfall, which was a good multiplayer game, but they released on the Xbox One X. It was Xbox One exclusive. Which, I mean, if Microsoft wouldn't have fumbled it, maybe it would have been a little bit better. And that game, you know, everybody focuses so much on the multiplayer, multiplayer, multiplayer. There's a reason. Like, up until Black Ops 4, Call of Duty had a single-player component, and there's a reason for that. And the only reason the Black Ops 4 had no single-player or no real single-player, because they did try to kind of shovel a single-player in there, uh, the only reason it didn't have one was because... They were trying one thing, it didn't work out, and they did not have time to readjust it. So instead of putting a shitty single player in there, they focused everything on the multiplayer. And you know what? Good for them. That was the right decision, even though I probably played that Call of Duty the least. Actually, no, Call of Duty Ghost is one I played the least, because that shit was hot trash. Honestly, but- like <laughs> if you have bad... If you have multiplayer that isn't up to snuff, or if you don't have single player that's up to snuff, honestly, it's best to just abort it like I kind of wish more games either would have not had multiplayer and just put more into their single player or not had single player at all and focus on their multiplayer. Well, that was a big problem toward the beginning of the decade. I mean, fucking Spec Ops had a multiplayer component. No reason. Besides, you know who's to blame? GameStop. That's who's to blame for the multiplayer shit. I don't think Doom should have had multiplayer, but that's just me. I think Doom. So that's the thing about the thing about Doom is, uh, I did not mind the multiplayer. The problem with the multiplayer became the fact that people wanted it to be Quake, and it wasn't. <laughs> that was that was the issue with the multiplayer. And um, they got Quake Champions. Yeah, <laughs> which actually I like Quake Champions, but there I we're just I can't see an arena shooter making it now. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I just can't see it happening. It's it's kind of a dying genre, sadly. Now, now let me get back to shitting on GameStop, and then we can move forward. All so right. GameStop, GameStop, the one of the main reasons why everything had multiplayer in the beginning of the decade is because of the trade in policies for GameStop. And it was the developer's way or the publisher's way of trying to get people to stop trading in their games. That's why games like Dead Space had multiplayer and they had no business having multiplayer. Because remember they tried, well, they tried a couple things. They tried the the multiplayer stuff. They tried the, oh, I don't know if this was, if it was before 2010 or after 2010, that pass. Yeah, I was going like, to that. That came with the game. I'm pretty sure Mortal Kombat 9 had that pass. So it was at, like during this decade. Right, yeah, that was the thing. Like they were really trying to combat GameStop, and it was it was it got real bad. One, I'm trying to think what year because we were doing the Mashcast at the time, and GameStop released their financials, and they were really boasting about how well their their uh, trade in sales were doing. Well, that whole like life cycle trade in thing, and they released number, and that's and the next year Target had uh, trade ins. Best Buy had trade-ins. Everybody had trade-ins because they were making so much money off of it. They should have so. shut their fucking mouth about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They can't. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure they're publicly traded. So, they like, are, they want but, like, they didn't have to in. boast. They didn't have to put out that article or whatever or been like, oh, look at how good we're doing, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, so like, blame, blame GameStop for that, so. 
Okay, so yeah, that's uh, we'll move on from you know which publishers and developers did the best. So let's move into our next topic, which would be most important games of the decade. Now, these games don't necessarily have to be on any of the lists, but they can be very, very important games from the decade. Like I know, like when we were doing the best games of the decade, when we were doing that draft, which by the way, like that shit was almost two hours long. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, you really need to go check that out <laughs> um, because it is live on Patreon right now. And uh, I know, Mike, the way you were trying to approach your game picks were impactful games. You know, I think we all had like a little bit of a different philosophy. Like me, I was just I was going for overall quality. You were going for impactful games. I'm not even sure what Christina was really doing, to be honest with you. Uh, I was just, <laughs> she was like, I just like this game. It was really good. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. During this, through, throughout this entire process, I know the person who was going to try to like spite me the most was Mike. So I was always prepared to play defense with this guy. Christina probably could have got so much shit in if she was if she was straight trying to be crafty because Mike was the one I was focused my attention on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I would support Christina in most of the games that were like oddball that you don't know anything about. I'd be like, yeah, that's a great game. Mm-hmm. It's good. Sure. It's great. He's always trying to do something, folks. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so does anybody want to go for it? I mean, I can go first if you want. Yeah, go first. Okay. So the first game, this actually my first game did not make this list. Any of the lists, actually. Actually, I don't know. because No, it definitely released within the last decade. It was an alpha before that. League of Legends is the most important game of this decade. It released opinion. in 2009. It officially. released released or was it in beta or alpha? I'm- it released in I cuz I thought so too and I had to google it and find out and I think it was released in 2009. I will double confirm, but I'm okay. pretty sure. But regardless, I kind of have to agree with you cuz of how it evolved over the time. Well, it's not even about how it evolved, right? Like it's the it's still even if it released in two thousand nine, it's still the most important game of the decade. Yeah, because it's not even about the game, League of Legends itself. It's about what it did to everything else. League of Legends is what launched esports or pushed esports forward in North America. I mean, if you go from ninety five to twenty ten, you have different leagues. And you had you had uh, CPL, Cal. You had Team Warfare. You had MLG. MLG started in t- between twenty and twenty ten, and all of these different leagues tr- are were trying to push esports, and and they didn't even call it esports at the time. They just called it like competitive gaming and stuff like that. They were trying to take what had happened with StarCraft in South Korea. And make it happen in the United States. And they, it just wasn't happening. But then you have League of Legends. It's the perfect, you know, uh, it was just a perfect storm, right? Like, uh, it was a the Dota game that was accessible to play. Like, because here, like, League of Legends and Heroes of New Earth came out around the same time. Oh, they Han? were in development at the same time. Yeah, Han. Heroes of New yeah. Earth. Came out around the same time. Developed in, like, in around the same time. And originally, all of the pros were playing Han. That's what they were doing. But League got all the players because it was accessible. Dota was extremely difficult to get into. It was. Like, it was a very hard game to get into, even harder than it is right now. Like, you had to know somebody to kind of play it, and they had to explain it to you and all that stuff. So 
you know, once, you know, League had all these players, it was also free to play. Han, you had to pay for. Heroes was free to, uh, League was free to play. All these players, they start investing all this money into their competitive scene that pulls the pros over. Bam. Esports. Now, you know, this is what launched esports. Not to mention, in the beginning of the decade, everybody was trying to make an MMO. Everybody was trying to be the next World of Warcraft until League of Legends. Then everybody tried to be the next League of Legends. You know, then it, on top of that, it spawned like hero. Like it didn't spawn hero shooters. Like uh, technically speaking, if you want to count like uh, Team Fortress, right? But Team Fortress is is a different beast than like let's say an Overwatch or something like that. You know, uh, same thing. Even you know, Quake Champions took some you know, some of the the the, the, the MOBA mechanics and put mm-hmm. it into its game so all these games are putting mobile mobile mechanics into it so it changed the, like we wouldn't have overwatch without league of legends i mean league of legends is what caused valve to jump on literally taking the name dota 2 ripping it away from blizzard and then blizzard having to make their own called heroes of uh heroes of the storm you can't rip it away from blizzard if they never owned it because i like i just don't understand why well, as soon as league blew up why did they not i know <laughs> and it, i and i mean you see that now with warcraft 3 reforged how they have that you in the eula now any game modes that you make in that game are owned by blizzard or whatever yep. like that now yep so they're not gonna they're basically like we fucked up once we ain't doing that again well the game has to work in order for people to actually want to make mods for it but yeah i mean that's uh, that's a whole other story what i'm trying to focus on is like blizzard yeah. like put that text in there for a fucking reason oh yeah absolutely absolutely and then valve is still and even even though league of legends is probably the more dominant one the international and dota 2 are still like crazy popular and definitely are where they are because of the competition with league of legends oh absolutely any genre, in my opinion, you can have two games in it. You can have two games that can coexist, but you'll get squeezed out by a third, right? Like, you know, like, or a third will get squeezed out at some point. I mean, perfect example, look at, which is another game on my list, is one of the most important games of the decade, uh, Fortnite, right? You know, where's PUBG right now? Bueller? Bueller? Like, yeah. I, I, there's still people that play PUBG, but the numbers aren't near this, especially. Once Apex Legends came out, yeah, people dropped PUBG, and then they're on Apex or Fortnite. People, people were still playing Battleborn before they shut the servers down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Battleborn was <laughs> oh god, that's an important like, game of what not to do. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You know, you can only have two. So when you had, uh, you know, PUBG and let's say the Call of Duty one, I forget was it, was it called Blackout? Yeah, you know? Blackout. Blackout's popular. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like H1, still play. Was it H1Z1 what spawned? Uh, is PUBG is what spawned PUBG. PUBG. Yeah. yeah. And then PUBG got super popular. But now, if you're talking Battle Royales, uh, you're, you're probably really only talking, you know, Apex Legends and Fortnite right now. To be perfectly honest with you. Like, I, I don't, I, like, I see PUBG up and down my list on Steam. I don't see anybody playing it anymore. I have a lot of friends on Steam. I'm popular, folks. Now I'm fucking. But I see people play. <laughs> I still see people go back to Blackout on occasion because it does uh, fours or it has a bigger number of people that can be in a group together, and that's right, kind of yeah. why they like it. But like, yeah, typically all yeah. I see is Apex and Fortnite. So Fortnite is a I 
so it's not on my list because it's a great game. It's on my list because it spawned a completely new conversation about how games can be presented. Like, so there's an argument, and Tim, Tim Sweeney has had to several times say that Fortnite is a game, right? There are several, there have been several conversations about is Fortnite a platform or is Fortnite a game? Tim Sweeney's like, it's a game. Okay, it's a game. And so people keep trying to say it's a platform because, and I understand that because look at Fortnite. Like, it is like it's branded all over the place. You have all these branded skins from, you know, well, different branded skins from different brands. I'm going to stop saying brands now. But, um, you know, and it's just really a place that people kind of just meet up and they play, you know? So it's extremely accessible. Or or they go to a concert. Yeah, you you go to a concert and. You go. They go to a concert in Fortnite. They jump in the watch cinematics in Fortnite and stuff like that. Like it's just it's a platform for people to meet up on. Kind of. I'm honestly it's, waiting for like them to be like, "Hey, watch this star." Like they're gonna just like one day the whole sky is gonna be like they're gonna cut like a square for a movie and it's just gonna be right. like watch this movie in Fortnite or some shit like that. They kind of right, exactly. did that with Star Wars, though. Did you it was watch a trailer? That event? Yeah, but that was pretty cool. Like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I mean, that's where that's where the legit conversation about it being a platform is. Yeah, you know, and how games because he and don't get me wrong, other people have tried this. By the way, Valve has tried this in the past. I'm not sure if anybody rem- remembers the playable Super Eight trailer. Came with Portal Two. Oh yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that playable yeah. super eight trailer yeah. so yeah like that's it's not the first time that this has really happened but this you know i said like that that had to be made specially for that game right like that 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 had to be made there versus this like we we already have the audience and we're just plopping these extra things in there so mm-hmm. i think that's a legit conversation we had now tim sweeney is saying that no it's a game but People have a point, like it's it's acting more like a platform, right? You're putting ads into it, you're putting branding into it, you know, stuff like that. So, it, so there was four. Go ahead, I'm sorry. It it has kind of transcended just being a game. That's for sure. I don't think you can call Fortnite just a game, right? So that's that would be my only argument. While it is a game first and foremost, it's kind of evolved to even more than that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Right. So on also on my list is Apex Legends because it it has we there was there were FPS games before Apex and now there are FPS games after Apex. If you have a shooter and you have shit that should be pingable in the game and it's not pingable, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like, Honestly, like, like they, it's funny because I mean, Respawn is the Call of Duty four developers, right? 
Yes, they are. So like yeah, when you, when we also talk about shooters back in that day, there were shooters before Call of Duty 4 and then there's shooters after Call of Duty 4. It's it's like they just right. did it again. Exactly. Like they like they they in a military shooter they once again improved movement and gunplay specifically in a, a military style shooter, I would call it. Um but that the, the like the ping system like you don't like one of the the hardest things in multiplayer shooters is team communication. Like you don't have people who are on comms, you know, or when people get on comms, they are trash people. So it makes you want to get off comms, but now you don't even need it because in Apex Legends, you could ping an enemy. You could ping a specific item. You can go into your menu, ping something to tell your teammates that you need it. And then they can, when they find it, they can ping it back and be like, Hey, it's over here without saying think- a word. I think the devs got tired of being flamed in their own game, so they were like, "Fuck, I don't. Want, I gotta find a way to like communicate and throw yeah. my own game without actually having to talk to these assholes." Yeah, so I think Apex is a really important game, and then finally, my last important game is God of War, uh, and that is an extremely important game from from a cinematic perspective. I think we're on the verge of games passing movies and television in terms of cinematography like that is just the god, god of war is like a 30 hour movie that is shot in one shot <laughs> you know that's basically what what it is you know you're never detached from the experience of god of war and on top of that like everything like when we said it in 2018 everything was tense like the cinematography was, was tens, the combat was ten, the music, the sound design, the dialogue, everything. This is this is this game is what all of the artistic people what they want, what they want games to be. You know, we want it to have meaningful dialogue and a good message, but also good gameplay and it's artistic and all that stuff. This is it. This is God of War. Now, a lot of people won't admit it because it's a violent game. Like, you have to have a game that makes people cry for it to be considered artistic, which is horseshit, you know? But, like, this this game is it. This is it. <laughs> this is what you've been asking for for years. Yeah, I was actually going to say God of War myself just because of how well it did and like just how much everybody loved it. I'm really excited to see what other people besides Santa Monica do now that God of War is out with their games. Like, yeah, I want to know most importantly, I want to know what the first party PlayStation developers are going to do now that God of War is out. Cause now it's like, it used to be naughty dog was like pushing the genre and now are pushing, you know, the other PlayStation developers. But now it feels like Sony Santa Monica with God of War is now like, no, we're up here now. Now, every, now Naughty Dog and then every other developer like Sucker Punch and now Insomniac Games and now all this other stuff has to now elevate itself to that level. And I, I'm very curious to see how that pans out, especially with Gorilla as well. I think, I think Naughty Dog and... Santa Monica might go back and forth in terms of like game narrative and like cinematography gameplay. I don't want Sucker Punch in that fight because the thing that Sucker Punch does very well gameplay is gameplay. That is their shit. I mean, even the worst game that they've put out in the last like I want to say twenty years is fucking Infamous Second Son. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a bad game. <laughs> like, at no, all. it's not. It's fun. It's just kind of like. 
compare well you have to compare it to infamous 2 unfortunately for its second son you have to compare it to infamous, infamous 2. 2 yeah that's the problem <laughs> and, and that's the that that that's a good problem to have like oh we made that shit too you know like yeah. that's the thing not to I mean, mention we'll it, see We'll have to Go see ahead. how it goes with Ghost of Tsushima. Like, Ghost of Tsushima yeah. looks like they're pushing that narrative, though. It looks they, like they, they're trying I, to. So I'm curious to see how they do. Also, Insomniac is another one that's that's really great with gameplay. They fucking knocked it out of the park with Spider-Man. They did. Like, they did. 100%, like, Insomniac knocked it out of the fucking park with Spider-Man. And that was with a, a Marvel brand. So, like, that's really solid. Yeah, it was kind of like, well, what does everybody like about Spider-Man? Okay, let's do all of that shit. <laughs> that's, that's what they said. Let's just, let's just do all But let's of hold that. enough back for a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and it's funny because all, you know, all these studios are under Sony, and I think one of the reasons why they are able to do what they do is because it just doesn't appear that Sony meddles too much in their process that that's what it feels like as if you look at, as opposed to like an EA or something like that, you know, right. where, you know, clear, like, you know, you can go back and read articles about how EA fucked up dead space and how EA fucked up Anthem, you know, how Activision fucked up destiny, you know, stuff like that. So like, like, you know, the, these Sony doesn't seem to meddle as much as just kind of trusted developers. And they usually come through. I'm trying to think of a first party Sony game. Like they like they may not have always been the absolute best thing that ever came out, but I can't think of a bad one. You know, I, I'm trying to think of like a bad first party. First Sony, party, you know? like yeah. You got the Infamous series. You got the Uncharted series. You got the you know Last of Us series. You had Jack and Daxter before that. You have Rack, Ratchet and Ratchet Clank, Clank. Sly Cooper. Yeah, it's just like they're all good. They're all at least good. Like there's yeah. not like a shit. If you there's not the like, only yeah. thing I can think of uh, are the controls for Crash kill, Bandicoot. Killzone. <laughs> Killzone. That might be the worst. Okay, yeah, there you go. That might be the worst one. <laughs> or but then, Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Well, who's who's the studio that does Knack though? It was I don't know. It was Mark Cerny's team. That's all I remember. It was it was that that was just clearly a tech demo. What about Dr- I mean, Dreams isn't out yet, so I can't comment on Dreams. So yeah, that's gonna be like a sandbox thing. Well, I, media, like, that's Media like. Molecules fucking bread and that's, butter. So yeah, that's their jam. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, good job. Like Sony, they like once again. We already went over the last. They killed it this decade and well I, I am curious to see how they're going to adjust in the next decade because things are going to be different now you know like they have to now they have to adjust to the store wars which they're kind of doing because a lot of their stuff is coming out on pc they're kind of doing it they're like so, dipping their toe because they don't have yeah. to like nothing's pushing them to have to yet like I, yeah but they like the writings on the wall like it's everybody yeah, else but you but you know, this is like this is like almost like PS2 to PS3 all over again. Like this isn't like nothing we haven't seen before that Sony's done. Right. Well, no. You well, the thing is, like with the console war being over, you know, like the PS2, like the the hardware was really important from PS2 to PS3. Not mm-hmm. so much anymore. True. Know? So we'll we'll see. Uh, does anybody else want to add any more games to like? Do I talk about any more important games of this decade? I got one, and I okay. think 
Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is very important. And it's mostly because I think it's going to change. I we I don't think we see the impact of Breath of the Wild quite yet, but I think we're going to see that in the coming generation with open world games. the The idea of being a, being able to actually climb up anything and everything, and being able to go wherever you really want to go and not be hindered by the world, except for brain. Um, <laughs> Cause fuck rain in that game, but like, I I think we're gonna see a lot more things impacted by that than, and I just don't think the develop developers had enough have had enough time to react to Breath of the Wild to put out those games yet. Um, I knew somebody was gonna bring that up, and I thought it was gonna be Christina to be honest with you, but I'm not I'm not sure yet. I guess we'll see. If developers, if they kind of pick that up, like, you know, like the reason I like, for example, I brought up Apex Legends because early 2019, they came up with the ping system. And then yes. since then, we've had several FPS games that have added a ping system. Yes, to but I will say there's, there's, there's more to like Breath of the Wild's exploration right, method right. versus like add a ping system. Well, adding a ping system is hard and difficult. I don't want to belittle that because it because it, you have to literally make voice lines for every goddamn thing you do. Everything and, has to be contextual. Yeah. Yes, it's really fucking hard. But then think about the whole world being contextual. Like right. that's ba- like you can basically interact with everything in the world in some kind of strange fashion. So the challenge here is because I I can I mean I can guarantee that you know other developers are looking at Breath of the Wild like how can we add this stuff to our game. The challenge is how can you add elements of Breath of the Wild without without the negative aspects of it? Because we've talked about that too, of having a, the a world where you the can, world. That, yeah. that you the emptiness in the world where you can go anywhere at any given time. Like, how do you still put together a cohesive story with that? Because the one thing out of all the things I've heard about Breath of the Wild, I have never heard anybody talk about its story. <laughs> like, you know, no, like, yeah. So I actually wasn't going to mention Breath of the Wild because I it, I feel like that's more of a base. I think once the second game comes out, I might feel a little differently about the second game. And that might be more, you know, important, impactful, influential, you know, whatever um, you want to choose from that list. Um, but it's just I kind of feel as much as I love Breath of the Wild, it almost kind of just seems like, a OK, this is what, you know, we have. and look forward to the second game because we already knew that this was going to be the engine that Zelda was going to be on for a while. Yeah, but I feel like we're going to see developers picking up that stamina bar gameplay mechanic of being able to climb on anything and go anywhere kind of thing. You're just you're just inhibited by the stamina versus like how it is kind of now. But we'll see. I mean, that's very like, I guess I could say that's very Skyrim because they had stamina, but like Breath of the Wild literally lets you go and climb on things without having right. to like glitch mountain wall climb jump shit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it could be another Mario situation, though, where everybody else was like, just fuck it. We can't do it. We can't. Do yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. I mean, it's very true. I just have a feeling that that game we haven't seen the impact of that game yet because open world games take a long time to develop and making a game like that is also going to take a long time to develop. Just think about it. The best response somebody came up with to a Mario, to a 3D Mario game, is literally Sonic's ass. 
That was the best response to, to Mario that we've seen. The Sonic's ass from uh, fucking Crash Bandicoot. That view? You know what oh, I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. That view is called Sonic's ass. Oh. <laughs> that was the best response that we've seen to a, to a 3D Mario game. You know? I mean, yeah. I, I, we'll see how it goes. I mean, no one's copied Smash completely yet. Well, Brawl Out did, but I mean. Brawl Out and Rivals of Aether, Aether or. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, they're trying. They really trying. tried with that They tried. <laughs> no, they fucked that shit so hard. <laughs> it's just because, like, they didn't stick to the main gimmick of Smash, which would push people off the goddamn stage. Like, I don't know why that was, like. Because know. they didn't want it to be exactly like Smash, they they did not want it to be called Sony Smash when everybody called it Sony Smash. <laughs> you know, because that's you're true not. There's no way you were going to get around that. But anyways, that's yeah, a different decade. So. <laughs> and, the, and, and now Sony is just relying on their strengths. Thank yep. you, thank you. So, oh, yep. there, there's a bad Sony game. You're welcome. <laughs> well, that was last decade. <laughs> you know, I actually had fun with it. I'm not going to say it was a good game, but. I had fun with it. They were, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'd say at this point we should get into the list right now. We're about 45 minutes in. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, so finally getting into our list, best games of the decade, the list you've all been waiting for, and so patiently, too, because we're at the beginning of February now, for those listening in the future. Um, we'll get into our number 10 game. Best game of the decade, number 10. Super Mario Odyssey. Always looking to push Mario in innovative new directions, Super Mario Odyssey gives Mario a sentient hat named Cappy to help him explore the sandbox world he was thrown into. Once again on a quest to rescue Peach from Bowser, Mario triple jumps and wall jumps his way across several kingdoms to find her. Nintendo always delivers, again providing excellent 3D platforming, innovative mechanics, memorable music, and memories. All right, coming at number 10, Mario Odyssey, or Mario Odyssey. So people get on me for saying Mario. I don't give a fuck. It's Mario Odyssey. <laughs> okay. My podcast. I say it how I want. <laughs> Mikey, you can go now. <laughs> it's arguably the best Mario since Mario 64. Like... <laughs> It has one of the best gimmicks to any Mario game with Cappy. Cappy is like an amazing gimmick. Has uh, from start to finish, it's a joy to play. And even when you finish and roll credits, when you roll credits, there's still more to fucking do. Like it has one of the best endings to a Mario game to date, I would say. Like I, I can't emphasize how great Mario Odyssey is. Like it just stands above every other platformer and kicks it in the goddamn face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nintendo's execution on every Mario game is phenomenal. I'm pretty sure every Mario game that came out in this decade has made this list. Because it was we had Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2 and Mario Odyssey. It's just undeniable. It's, it's what they do. You know. It's, people complain about it, you know, obviously being proprietary to a degree. They're, put, they're like, they're, uh, not the developers, sorry, like they're investors complain about it being proprietary and they want them to spread out and stuff like that. Remember when the Wii U was doing bad and everybody's like, oh, they should start putting Mario games on other systems. No, no. Stay in that mindset of keeping it in the family 
And so they could develop the game the way they want to without having to worry about different types of hardware or anything like that. And every time they put it, push out an excellent game. So I, I, I can't complain about it at all. Okay. We're going to go into our number nine game. Best game of the decade. Number nine. Portal 2. Portal 2 is a masterclass in game design, as Valve delivered an unforgettable game with Portal 2. Witty dialogue, amazing puzzles, and building a world around what started as an extra in the orange box, Valve hit it out of the park. Top it all off with an amazing and unique co-op experience, it's no wonder Portal 2 is as high as it is on this list. Okay, coming at number 9, Portal 2. Which, I complained a little bit when this game came out. Uh, when I complained because I knew it was going to PS3 as well. And I said, there's no way they're going to have the speed puzzles in the game because it's going to be on a console. There's just no way to do it. You can barely, like, if you, like, in, don't get me wrong, Portal, the original Portal was kind of short. It was like three hours long, I think it took me to beat. But Give you, or take, yeah. Yeah, you could barely do the speed puzzles in that game with a mouse and a keyboard, you know? And so now you're going to try to do the speed puzzles on a console? No way. And I was right. They did get rid of the speed puzzles, but man, did they make up for it with the gels. Uh, they just, it, the things I remember the most, actually the thing I remember the most, I could probably play that game now and not remember most of the puzzles. Right. But you remember what was happening while you were at each area, maybe. Uh, and also like the dialogue. I mean, the cave Johnson ads for that game are still some of the best ads and games I've ever seen, you know? So that's very was... quotable. It's a very quotable game. I'd say it's a masterclass like in gaming period, like in my opinion, because like it just does. It's very it's a well-paced game. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It knows its mechanic and does everything it possibly can with its mechanic and throws new things at you constantly throughout the game. And it's just very well designed, very well scripted. And I, it's hard for me to find any problem. Like, I can't find a problem with Portal 2. Even the co-op is fucking perfect. Yeah. And the co-op is just ma- makes memories on its own. You know, having to rely on your teammate to keep the light bridges under you. You know. Yeah. I'll never forget <laughs> my college days playing Portal 2 with my friend for the first time. Like, that's, <laughs> that's just an experience. Absolutely. So, yeah, the Portal is an excellent game. And. I wish Valve still made good games. <laughs> to be honest, I still like. I, nah, they got that Dota money. They don't need to make games. That's what it feels like. It's just like, it feels like you know everything they're doing, everything like they just keep throwing it out the window. Like you I know, mean, was, we'll see what they do with Half Life, Alex. I guess what? Oh, yeah. Like no. Like, oh, I'm, okay. <laughs> don't get me started on Half Life, Alex. You know what? You know what? it's probably gonna be a good game. Probably, I would imagine, but. Half-Life fans, well, for over 10 years, we've been waiting for a new Half-Life game, and they decide to put it on the least accessible platform, period. It it is arguably the least accessible platform. Even people who spend thousands of dollars on their PCs, who are, would you, you would consider the elite class of PC gamers, are not going to be able to play this shit without spending, like, another chunk of change, so. Fuck (laughs) them. You know. But Portal 2 was awesome. <laughs> All right, cool. We're going to move into our number eight game. 
Best game of the decade, number eight. Batman Arkham Knight. Batman Arkham Knight is the final game of the trilogy and delivers the complete Batman experience. Players can traverse all of Gotham either by gliding in the skies or by driving the Batmobile on the ground. Players also face off with the largest assortment of Batman enemies the series has seen, following multiple story threads and bringing each to justice. Batman Arkham Knight combines stealth, action, and puzzle solving to create the greatest Batman game of all time. Alright, it was a fight, but coming in at number 8, Batman Arkham Knight. It was a fight, they both rolled their eyes at me. I, I never not. want to hear these guys discussing <laughs> Batman games ever again in my life. I always had to be the middle person, like, okay, stop. <laughs> you did, because we were adamantly different on which Batman game we liked better. Absolutely. And, and, and Michael has one sore subject, which is the car. That's, that's, his, <laughs> that's, that's his sore subject on the game. But yep. you can't de- you can't deny the rest of the game. Nope, Even I can't. If you but I can I can throw shit at the car all day long. <laughs> and have, I do not care. <laughs> I said, listen, you, you can absolutely hate the car, but you just can't deny the rest of the game is phenomenal. You are one hundred percent accurate. The rest of the game, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is well. First of all, I, I I will argue with anybody that Batman: Arkham Knight is probably the best superhero game of all time at this point. In history, the best superhero game of all time. At this point in history, you know we'll see. And if you if you've listened to me podcast, you know at some point I can guarantee you I talked about Infamous Two and how much I love that game. Like I love Infamous Two with a passion, and I will still say that Arkham Knight is is, is a better hero game. They got they got everything right about Batman. You know they did. They just got everything right about him. It was, it was absolutely awesome. Um, the combat was improved. You actually had to use utility now. The dialogue was great. And it, it kind of had to be great because the Joker, Batman and the Joker were together the entire game. Uh, sorry if you, have, uh, if you haven't played the game yet, but that's still not spoiling it that much. <laughs> you kind of find that out early. But still, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great game. It was great being able to get around Gotham, the entire city, you know, Talk about vertical, like how, like a vertical design and being able to go from all the way on the ground to high in the air and no problem with, in no time, thanks to the Batmobile. You know, the mobility in that game was amazing. You can even use the Batmobile as a weapon. It was awesome. You know, outside of the Batmobile, you can use it as a weapon. It was great. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Every time I mention the Batmobile, Mikey's face kind of crinkles up. <laughs> That's it. That's the thing. That's that's what I'm laughing at. That's why I gotta have a video podcast, folks. All right. right. Let's go ahead and move into our next game. Best game of the decade, number seven. The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. The Witcher 3 wraps up Geralt's game saga with an in-depth large open world, great storytelling, and tons of things to do. The large scope is matched by its graphical fidelity, and the refined combat system helps to deal with the sometimes challenging situations, making the game feel fair and rewarding. CD Projekt Red put a lot of hard work into this well-crafted game, and it shows. Okay, coming at number seven, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which 
Yeah, I know this is one that Christina really fought for. So you, so you sacrificed Zelda for this game. I I did, surprisingly. Um, and the reason I did that is because, man, CD Projekt Red did so much with this game with so little, and it's just so cool and amazing. And there's just so much stuff in this game. Like Zelda, yeah, I spent like a hundred hours in that game just like doing everything, but I did like everything in like a hundred, maybe like 150 if I wanted to tie some loose ends up. But like the Witchers, like there's no end to that game. It's almost perfect. Like I, you don't really see any bugs. It's just everything about that game is amazing. And then not only is it great, they then spun off a Netflix series that was amazing. Like, that's all I can think about. The toss your coin to your Witcher or whatever. That song stuck in my head like every day. Well, not only that, like it spawned a card game. Like fucking Gwent yeah. is now its own like card game because of this fucking game. It's, like it didn't stay around for long, I think. Ah, Thronebreaker. Thronebreaker was really good. And that was a spin-off Gwent game off of Witcher 3, which did pretty well, right? Uh, Witcher 3 to me just is like CD Projekt's Red is like Bethesda, hey, we see what you're doing with Skyrim. We're just going to like fucking shit on how many fucking bugs are in your goddamn game by releasing a really finished product. So I think we're I think nowadays in a post Witcher 3 world, like there's less forgiveness for that kind of shit. So I look forward to this new future thanks to the Witcher 3 wild hunt. All right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't end up finishing the game. It just didn't hook me. But at the same time, I mean, almost everybody I talked to really enjoyed the game. And I think everybody was just, like, really surprised about it. This is also another series where if you're thinking about playing The Witcher, you can't go back to the first. You Please really don't. just need to. Barely. I think you can barely get into the second one. Like, but you know, compared to The Witcher Three, like you know, just, they, just definitely don't go back to three. Just play yeah. three. They made three, yeah. like they called it Witcher Wild Hunt, and kind of hid the three in the title. Like they made it the slashes because they wanted it more inviting for new people to play. To be like, okay, this isn't like Witcher Three. You had to play one and two. This is The Witcher. Right. Right. So. But yeah, congratulations to CD Projekt Red for being for putting it together on their own. Like, you know, they didn't have... Yeah, I think WB had to publish at the end, right? They had to distribute, I know, at least. Right. But yeah, they didn't have to. They, it's not like they didn't, like, fund the game. Right, 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 right. I mean... Because if, yeah. if they did, especially at the time, the PC port would have been terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. CD Projekt Red would not let that fly. Uh, and honestly, The Witcher 3 is probably the reason why we're getting, like, cyberpunk is, like, at an all-time high of, like, fever pitch for people, so. Right. Right. Okay. Well, let's move into our number six game. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Best game of the decade, number six. 
Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2 is the best game of 2010 and arguably the best game in the Mass Effect series. Bioware skillfully removed what didn't work with Mass Effect and improved combat, weapons, and dialogue and made side missions more engaging and meaningful. Players got to experience their own legacy as decisions they made in Mass Effect came back around in the sequel and further build their reputation as they assembled a team of the baddest of the bad to be found across the galaxy. Mass Effect 2 helped set a new bar in AAA game quality. All right, coming in at number six, Mass Effect 2. I mean, like many trilogies, the second one was the best. You know, even though, don't get me wrong, there, there were improvements to the combat and stuff like that in Mass Effect 3. But overall, when I think about, like, how I, I played Mass Effect 2 straight through, like, almost no breaks. Like, that, that was just a game I played until it was done. And even, like, Mass Effect 3 for me, it was just kind of wrapping up a lot of storylines and stuff like that, you know. There's a lot, obviously there's a lot going on with Mass Effect 3 with the, you know, people not being happy with the endings. But also when, it, when the game came out, you had to do the multiplayer to get your readiness up and stuff like that. And the DLC cast member that was kind of important. Yeah, actually very, very important. For a narrative game, that was a real dick move on their part. That was a real dick move. Uh, because like his person, you know, his perspective on the game completely changes how you understand that universe. So, yeah, but Mass Effect 2 didn't have any of that. The one thing I will say, though, the thing that the thing about all the Mass Effect, actually, no, Mass Effect 1, it doesn't make a difference. But Mass Effect 2 and 3, those games are best played after all the DLC came out. Because if you play Mass Effect 2 when it came out and then the DLC characters came out, it almost doesn't feel worth it because the DLC characters only have like two or three missions each. And then you'd have to replay the entire game to really get to, to really uh, get any value out of them because you would have to, cause like all the dialogue options and stuff like that, that was kind of weak. You know, it, that's why in mass effect three, I, when you have that DLC where everybody goes to Shepard's like apartment and those DLC characters are there. It's like, I don't even really know who they are because I didn't. That's so re- sad too. Because yeah. like some of them are really cool. Like it's <laughs> like I didn't re- I didn't replay through Mass Effect because Mass Effect Two is not a small game. By the way, you know I didn't replay through it. That's the only negative thing I have to say about Mass Effect Two. Other than that, they they revamped the combat from the first Mass Effect to make it way better. Like Mass Effect One, I was definitely getting tired of that week, like, like the weak shooting. Like it's just way better especially if you play soldier like if you didn't play soldier i think it was more tolerable but if you play as a soldier which i did and you want to shoot stuff in the face now you it, it's you, you can do that i thought the storylines were great uh the dialogue options are great like it was just overall really it was really well done and very memorable you know yeah no i mean all you have to say is the suicide mission and like everyone's like yep that's a that's an amazing game right there Right. And like, to be fair, Mass Effect, to be, to be fair about your DLC, like Mass Effect 2 is Mass Effect of the series is meant to be played multiple times, but mostly because of Paragon and Renegade. Right. Like how Infamous 2 is meant to be played multiple times because of good and bad Cole. Like there, this this game was still stuck in that phase of like. Do you want to be a complete dick or do you want to be holier than thou? Like there's right. no, there was still like no good middle ground. Like, yeah, there, there's middle no middle grounding. Ground. Exactly. Uh, like, 
Yeah. So, but like everything about this game, like the combat was improved. I actually enjoyed the stupid mining planet mini game. I like, didn't mind I that zo- at all. I yeah. zoned the fuck out on that. I was like, oh, this is nice to just not be in a firefight right now. I'm just going to mine these planets for a bit. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Like I was definitely one of the people that didn't mind that at all. So I didn't mind the mining. So. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our number five game. Best game of the decade, number five, Bioshock Infinite. In a setting that is the complete opposite of Rapture, Bioshock Infinite managed to deliver not only a great game, but a great narrative that left many shocked by the end. Gameplay combined abilities, great shooting mechanics, and excellent level design that made each encounter both fun and challenging at times. Columbia was absolutely beautiful, and even after players started to peel back its facade of perfection, the presentation of its core leaves an impression. All right, coming at number five, Bioshock infinite which when this game came out like there were a lot of people torn about it mainly because they i guess a lot of fans thought it should have been more like the other bioshocks which is dark and creepy but i'm sorry it was dark and creepy for other reasons <laughs> you know uh it, even though like the, the place was pristine and the sun was shining it was still very dark and creepy i said one of the creepiest moments in in my gaming history is dealing with the motorized Patriot for the first time, you know? Uh, but this game was, it might've been my first, I think it was like really the first time I saw the internet light up with screenshots and they were all the same. Like as soon as people got into the game and they were, they come into Columbia the first time you just look at Reddit and everybody's just posting their screenshots of coming into Columbia and coming down the elevator and stuff like that. And how amazing this game looked like that presentation was phenomenal and then you know there's another game this is early in the decade where they knocked the dialogue out of the park uh the combat was done very well the level design was done very well because i think i think i talked about this actually i definitely talked about this on the draft and i think i talked about this when you know the year that we have it on the list because uh, it made one of the lists uh but the fact that like you were clearly like you were fighting in arenas, like the the levels were set up like arenas to be fought in, but the aesthetic of the game remained right. Like it didn't. It's not like Doom, right, where you walk into an area, and the architecture doesn't make sense from a arch- like you know from an architectural perspective, but it's clearly you know you're it's built for you to fight into. Uh, it, in in Bioshock Infinite. You know, still set up for an arena, but the architecture still made sense in the world. Like it really helped with the immersion, and I absolutely love this game. Yeah, I'm just waiting for more games to come out with that skyhook mechanic as well as they did it because, like, that was such a good feeling. I don't think anyone's gonna do it because of how probably hard as fuck it was to design levels around a skyhook. Like, I'm sure for a level designer, that must have been a fucking nightmare. But, like, it was very impressive. The I felt the gunplay felt better in this game than it did, obviously, in the first Bioshock. Right. Um, 
I thought the plasmids also were more were geared more toward that because the gunplay was better. There was a lot more setup for the guns for a lot of the plasmids in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Vigors. They called them Vigors. Vigors, yes. Right. I wasn't gonna correct you, but yeah, we knew what you were. <laughs> yeah, it's about. Vigors, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a fucking amazing game. The story the story leaves you like the story sticks with you when you leave too. Like you will remember this story for years to come, especially if no one spoiled it for you. Absolutely. And I would still recommend even now playing this game. So Yeah, it still looks great. Like the visual yeah. like the art design really helps this game stay relevant in today's graphics. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, let's keep it moving. We will go into our number four best game of the decade. Best game of the decade, number four, Red Dead Redemption 2. After taking almost the entire decade, Rockstar finally released the sequel to Red Dead Redemption, and Red Dead Redemption 2 was worth the wait. Though technically a prequel, Red Dead Redemption 2 follows the story of Arthur Morgan and his travails with the Vanderlind gang. Gameplay featured such Wild West staples as shootouts, heists, and horseback riding, all leading to events that caused players to make weighty moral choices. Red Dead Redemption 2 further bolstered Rockstar's reputation, creating excellent, depth-filled games. Okay, coming at number four, Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean... Outside of like a simulation game, I don't know if you're going to find a game that's more detailed than Red Dead. It's stupid detailed. Like, it's like, I can't believe you thought of making a physics for this object that is so negligible. Why, why are we wasting processing power on this? Right. But at the same time, it's just so impressive that they did it anyway. You know what I mean? It's just like, where did you find the power in these fucking systems to even do any of this shit. Like, yeah. I, and not even like they have systems that combat other systems in the game, like without the player's involvement, you know, it is like a living world and you're just in it. That world goes on without you being there. I feel like, like you, <laughs> it feels like, like it's like just it. like, it's just like, Oh yeah. The world doesn't revolve around you as a player. The world's just going to keep spinning. Whether you, do whatever you do or not like it's just very odd it's it's very it makes you almost wondering like what you're missing out on like by not being there yeah and the thing is like i'm not like a like a fan of like western shit you know like the old, like, I'm, I'm just not but both red dead redemption and red dead redemption 2 are extremely fascinating to me uh the dialogue in both games even though this the dialogue in this game is absolutely is amazing you know uh with the voice acting uh, the mocap that they did, like everything is just top notch. And it, it just, it feels like you're playing. I wouldn't even say like playing a movie. It feels like you're playing into like a Netflix series. Basically. That's, that's what it feels like, you know, that these people are, are, are it's a, it's a full story, you know, no corners are cut. And there's just tons of things to interact with. And then the game, so you can fast travel on this game, but fast travel is kind of a pain in the ass, right? If you're someplace, you go out, put the fire down, you got fast travel here. It's a lot of times it's just easier to to ride your horse from place to place. But the thing is, like you you kind of want to do it because you have all these interactions that would never normally happen if you just fast traveled all over, all over the place. There's so many interactions 
that I had that I wouldn't have known about, uh, you know, without it, you know, or even like activities. Like, so there was this guy, there was a prisoner who he had, uh, he had escaped from prison and he asked me to break his, his cuffs. So I, I break him and then he tells me about a house I can rob. <laughs> I was like, oh, awesome. And then when we go to the house, like all on the way to the house, there's a bunch of dialogue about the, you know, the characters that are telling you, you're learning more about the characters as you go to the house. Uh, you know, you have interactions with people in the house. Like it's great. You know, the one thing I do think is funny in the game is that author, you know, he will rob you. He will kill you, but he is not a racist. <laughs> that is a thing that is hilarious. But he is a murderer. He is a thief. But the man is not a racist. He hates racists. <laughs> you know, and they, they make it like extremely clear in the game uh, how he feels about that. So that is uh that's kind that was kind of funny to me. Okay, I guess we're done with that one. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna talk about how detailed it was, but you guys already did that. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't necessarily enjoy my entire time with Red Dead, but like I can't like neglect the fact of everything that it did just fucking right and all that it did under the hood. Like it's just a very impressive fucking game to look at, watch and play. It just maybe wasn't the most fun I had ever had playing a simulation game. Mm, I, I got you. Yeah, I mean, it definitely pulled me in. Uh, unfortunately, I know a lot of PC players are having some trouble with the uh, with bugs and crashing. Even the, after the last patch, I crashed a few times. But the game apparently saves really like after you do every like it saves really close to whatever you were doing last. So it's not it's more of an annoyance than anything. But yeah, I mean, that's probably the only bad thing I have to say about it right now. But yeah, I, I honestly, I thought that the game wasn't that good before I played it because I didn't hear anybody talking about it. Like, when it came out, it was just kind of came out, and it was a lot of hype beforehand, and then when it came out, it just was kind of like, eh, like nobody's saying anything. Uh, I think the problem was it was compared to another game that came out this year. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one thing I will say is that I, according to, like, the Steam... Uh, achievements like people like I think it was like it was like an 80 actually let me see if I could pull it up because it was like a a a steep drop off in achievements like achievements that you have to get to you know as you're progressing through the game yeah so like after you complete chapter three you get an achievement and only only 20 percent of people have made it that far it's a rough start Like, the game is really, like, rough in the beginning. But not, like, the game looks rough. It's just, like, there's a lot to learn. And if it doesn't feel fun out of the get... The thing is, nowadays, if you don't have something there to hook the player out of the gate, they're going to fall off. And I think that's a problem with a lot of games that we saw come out at the later end of the year. Right. Yeah, because the game does start slow. Like, the first five hours of the game are pretty slow, but they're trying to get you used to the world. I mean, even this, so complete a a companion activity in each camp, 9.1%. And I know I'm probably still like 20 hours from finishing this game. You know, less than 25% people have robbed 250 bucks, you know? 
So that's right. It's 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 it's, it's a shame because actually the same thing happened with uh, Hellblade. Hellblade also had a really low uh, completion rate. Actually, I'm trying to think one of the so you get one achievement in Hellblade. I think about ten minutes into the game, you get an achievement, and only eighty five percent of players had gotten. That I'll I'll tell you why that probably happened. Uh huh. The rot system scared them the fuck away. It's before the rot system. Oh, before it's before. They introduced, it's before oh, okay. they introduced the rot system. Yeah. So, uh, maybe people just couldn't take the content of the game that they were playing. Like dude. maybe it just hit them wrong i don't know but like that's not a long game it's like maybe six to eight hours i'd say maybe yeah six to eight hours so but yeah you're letting me down gamers but we'll we'll keep it moving <laughs> we're gonna move on to our number three game best game of the decade number three horizon zero dawn giant robot dinosaurs. Guerrilla Games takes the crown in 2017 by not only delivering on a surefire premise as hunting giant robot dinosaurs armed only with a bow and arrow, but also making a compelling narrative with responsive gameplay. Horizon Zero Dawn takes place in a massive open world with varied, beautiful locations and tons of allies and enemies alike. Study your enemies to find the key to attacking them and bring down these behemoths with an assortment of weapons and traps. Take what you can from your kills to upgrade your weapons to fight even bigger challenges. Horizon Zero Dawn had it all in 2017, and that's why it was the game of the year. Alright, coming at number three, Horizon Zero Dawn. And we're going to move on to number two because there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say. The game is phenomenal. Okay. <laughs> the, the game, the is, game is phenomenal. I was not expecting it to get this high in the list. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, but saying that, I want everyone to fucking know. I have like a tall neck, a grazer, a plush Aloy, a framed art of Devil's, uh, Devil's Thirst. Like, I love the fuck out of this game. Like, I absolutely loved every fucking second I was in this world. Guerrilla Games, I thought you were going to fuck this up because your Killzone games had burned me so many times. I was like, I appreciate them going in another direction, but I was worried, okay? I was very, very worried. And holy shit, did they knock it out of the fucking park. Yeah, I... I honestly had no expectations when I picked the game up. I think this is another game. I just, I don't, I didn't even pick the game up the day it released. Right? It was this is this and Sleeping Dogs happened the same way for me. Right? It was Friday. I'm like, I'm not gonna go anywhere this weekend. Let me just pick up a game. I go there. Horizon Zero Dawn's out. I'm like, okay, fine. Pick it up, and then I just played it, and I just could not stop playing the game. It was absolutely phenomenal gorilla did an excellent job with it and it is a far cry from from uh, uh kill zone kill zone yeah absolutely yeah. And you're right because like in my opinion kill zone in my opinion was never that great of a shooting the best kill zone that i played was kill zone mercenary that was, that was my favorite kill zone and that was like on the vita you know and that was my favorite I, one i like to but i had a lot of multiplayer fun with two. I thought Killzone 2's multiplayer was very interesting and the things they were trying to do with it. Right. Um the it's just Horizon just blew me away. Like I was sold on Horizon on the very first E3 trailer they showed. 
with Aloy and the Thunderjaw. And then after that, I was like, I'm sold on this game. I'm not watching anything else. I only watched one other E3 trailer because it was E3 and it was just on the re- on the reel going during the press conference. But like, right. I tried to media blackout this game, and it <sighs> this year spoiled the fuck out of me personally. But like, this game just like hit me in so many ways I wasn't expecting. It was a wonderful surprise. The combat is fucking amazing. Like, they nailed this third-person action RPG shooter, like, combat, like, so well. Uh, every, every living creature or every robotic creature feels great. All the human... I l- even though a lot of people will say a lot of the side quests are forgettable, I thought the side quests were very interesting. I, felt, I was sold if, on this. I was sold on this world. I was the side, sold. The world is amazing. The, the side quests force you to explore the rest of the world. And that's why, like, you know, maybe the context or the con- the context of each side mission may not necessarily have been the most exciting thing in the world. My brother's in trouble. My sister's in trouble. This thing's trying to kill us. Like, you know, but it forces you to go into other areas of the world that you would normally maybe not go into, you know? So, and every area you went to is kind of like, you know, you had to observe the area. You had to kind of sneak around, see where you can place traps and, you know, things like that, you know, because, you know, these two big you know, machine dinosaurs are around there, you know, and there's only one way through is only one way through, you know, so, but yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn is an excellent game. Huge surprise. Can't wait for Horizon Zero Dawn 2. I, I really hope that they release Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. And then Christina could just keep my copy of Horizon Zero Dawn forever at that point. I'll play it so, one day. Yeah. I don't I'm think so, so mad I didn't buy the collector's edition. <laughs> you have no idea how many times I go and look at the collector's editions of this on eBay and I'm like, I want it. But I can't justify <laughs> at the cost now. Char- yeah. yeah, that upcharge. And I'm just like, mm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into number two. Best game of the decade. Number two, Grand Theft Auto V. Grand Theft Auto V might be one of the most ambitious and well-executed games of this decade. GTA's narrative never disappoints by keeping with the tradition of current social satire through well-written dialogue, missions, and plot. Los Santos is packed with activities, and with three completely different characters to control, there was never a dull moment. All right, coming at number two, Grand Theft Auto V. I mean, you knew it had to make the list. A lot of people probably thought it was going to be number one. But GTA, like, I mean, if we did everything to, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, I, I was, yeah. It was just fun. I, I, was, I was a little concerned with the three-person play. I was like, I don't know how they're really going to pull that off that well. And it was great. It was they, they fucking nailed, nailed and every time that you wake up as somebody and they're off doing their own thing or whatever like you never know where the one guy is ever going to be cuz he's always in these random fucking spots Trevor, like, yeah yeah what Trevor why are you in this dumpster i don't understand how you got here or whatever like Dude, i like that that was the one thing like i i loved playing as Trevor but i was always nervous to switch to him like if you know if we finished a mission and we were all there I'd switch to him or if uh we were finished the mission and it automatically switched to him that's fine but I there were times where I switched to him 
And like there was one time he was in the middle, like in the middle of like a he was on a on a boat in the middle of a lake with no clothes on, you know. So that was a like ordeal getting back to civilization. I found him one time on the top of a mountain wearing a dress next to a goat. That was a pain in the ass to like get back to <laughs> civilization with, you know. So like it was yeah, that was interesting. Like but you know, while it was a pain in the ass at the time. Uh, definitely memorable moments in GTA Five, like just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, I, you're right. There's just so many good moments. It's hard to just pick just one. And I think it was one of the first games where we had a massive open world that didn't load. Like it just didn't load. Like once it loaded once, and don't get me wrong, that first loading time was a bear. But once the game loaded, it just did not need to load anymore. You know. Which worked out even better on the PS4 because you could just put the console to sleep as opposed to shutting it down, you know. So that 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 was great. But yeah, like they Rockstar did an excellent job. I mean, there's another developer or developer slash publisher. That's kind of like when like when was the last time they put something bad out per se? Red Dead Revolver. That was yeah. Well, that was early two thousands. You think Red That's Dead I, was bad? I don't think. I don't know if it was I think bad. it was pretty meh. It, it was, maybe wasn't bad, but it was very meh. Yeah. Like they also Rockstar also made the best table tennis game on the planet. Oh hell yeah, they did. Bring, where's my Rockstar table tennis two? But anyways, yeah. uh, also this spawned GTA Online. Which yes. has which has gone on to just make shovels of money. <laughs> like, yeah, like they 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 nailed it. They I I keep seeing like track like I literally like look at some of the racing in in GTA Online and I'm like, is this Trackmania? Because like they just do some crazy ass shit with their with that game and like it's amazing how GTA Online still is like a living and breathing thing to this day. It's no wonder people still you still see GTA five still like bought at like such a high fucking rate. Like, you know, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. I was surprised somebody sent me a link of somebody playing in one of the RP servers. And I was like, wow, this is still a thing. Like the community's really taken off with this, like the online portion of the game. And it's really crazy. Like even when it first came out, I had coworkers that are like, yeah, I'm going to buy some shark cards, go home, play GTA. And it's like, this is almost like an MMO. Like, this is just like, you know, your hangout where you go online. Like, you don't even do anything. You just go online and buy cars and hang out with your friends. Like. <laughs> yeah. So, I, if that game is number two, what could possibly be better than GTA 5? We're going to get into that right now with our number one game of the decade. Best game of the decade, number one, God of War. God of War achieved excellence in every aspect of game design. Visuals, sound design, story, and dialogue are all some of the best you will find in any game anywhere. Not simply a reboot of the God of War franchise, God of War continues the story of Kratos with the full weight of his past with him. By having his son Atreus join him on the journey, God of War not only provides the visceral combat and bloody finishes one would expect, but also shed some insight on Kratos as a father. This mixture of stellar gameplay and thematic resonance makes God of War the best game of 2018. All right, coming at number one, 
God of War. And unfortunately, I think we already explained why this is the number one game earlier in the show. You just couldn't wait, could you? You just had to just blow all that at the very will, beginning. Dude, I will talk about God of War to, to, to anybody. And I mean, especially... So for me, I, I think I said it before, but Kratos was like my, my second most hated character in video games. He was, because he was an absolute idiot. In the first series, he was a dumbass. I mean, and it just shows at the end, at the end of God of War 3 where his family is dead. Anybody who cared about him is dead. And the world is an absolute shambles because he was an idiot, you know. And they turned that dumbass and turned him into like a great dad, actually, <laughs> you know. And somehow, 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 like the, the, the yeah, they, they turned him into a great dad. That's what I think one of the things I really appreciate about the game is that they did not reboot the series. They didn't reboot it. You know, they kept all of his history and it all weighs on him. And it's a major part of the story you know so yeah i mean like uh, you know, a lot of people say well the, it's a violent game and blah 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 but actually the main like with the main message of the story is that we can be better than our fathers <laughs> you know what i'm saying like that's like that's like one of the main story as well one of the main messages throughout the entire story is creators mm-hmm. trying to make sure his son doesn't become him so yeah i mean but everything is top notch like the visual, like, you know, the, the, the world, which was a surprise. Like, you know, I played it on a P actually, I played it on a PS4 pro. I played it on PS4 regular first and it looked like, eh, it looked meh, you know, but then I played it on a PS4 pro. I'm like, man, this game is beautiful. This game is like, it looks really good. And I was just surprised that it looks so good for a PlayStation game. Like, like, you know, for a console game period, it wasn't like it was on the Xbox one X. It had, you know, a vastly superior hardware than the previous version. No, like it was a PS4 Pro, so they did an excellent job there. The sound, uh, Barry McCleary did the soundtrack. It's phenomenal. Uh, you know, even the, the the dialogue throughout the game, like, you know, even as you're traversing the world, it's never, like, really silent or anything like that. They're always talking. You know, so they did an excellent job. Up and down. Just I mean, the fact game. that this game looks like it's shot from one shot. Like it's it never it never leaves. Like the camera never goes anywhere else. You're literally just like you're there from the get go to the very fucking end. Absolutely. And then the cliffhanger ending, I was like, I can't wait for the next one. It's just so good. <laughs> yeah, so. the yeah, I finished this one finally. Um, but no, I think my favorite part about like this whole podcast that we were doing is when we were like, What's the number one game of the decade? We None of us hesitated. Like we all said, God of War. Like we all decided, this is it. Yeah, it was unanimous. Yeah. Like we all know, like this is it. All right, now we just have to form the rest of the list. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like it was the hard, like that. The the rest of the list was the hard part. Actually, the hardest part was getting Batman Arkham Knight onto this list. That was the oh hardest God. part God. of this discussion. That, it was. If you listen to the draft, that you, is you the will, largest yeah. part of the draft. <laughs> you know, the probably because I mean, it's a really because there's a real debate. There's a debate between City and Night. Like you True, can debate yeah. between those two games, which one is better. And it literally is personal preference, I think, when it boils down to. Mm-hmm. But when it got a boy, there was no debate. That was it. No, was, hell no. no. That was that was unanimous. That was it. That was gonna be it from the get-go. Yeah, everybody knew. So the number one game, the number one game of twenty of two zero one X was decided like at the close to the beginning of the draft. 
It was everything else that came after. I actually yeah. decided that this was the number one choice, too, before we even went in there. Like, there was no question. I was like, all right, we're going to start the draft. God of War is going to be the number one game. I don't care. Like, <laughs> the only thing is I thought someone was going to argue GTA 5. And then I was just going to have to, like, somehow shoot a shoot GTA 5 in the knee or something like that with something. <laughs> like, I'd have to find a chink in the armor for GTA 5. And you'd have to shoot luckily- GTA 5 by saying it's not God of War. Yeah, like, like it, it would. I mean, that's that was the only game I was worried about, like thinking about like the games of the list. But I'm just like, no, like I think like there's no other game that deserves it more than God of War. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, that is that is it for two zero one X. That like, how did it, we'll, we'll close up here? Like, I mean, how you guys feel about this decade? Like, how was your decade in gaming there's a lot of ups there is a lot of downs um this is a weird decade for me because this is the decade that i you know became an adult right so like 2010 i was 19 um so i kind of got off of the oh i have so much time but i don't have money to play games to oh i have so much money but i don't have time to play games right i said that the right way so it was a it it was it was interesting. I mean, I found some of my favorite games ever in this decade um, that I still play today that have been out for years. It was it was pretty solid. PS4, Xbox One, I think, was a really solid uh, console generation as well. So mm. this year, this decade really broke me in a sense of playing lots of genres that I didn't normally play. Um, and it made me fall in love with new developers that I didn't love before. And it made me, well, it had some sad moments. Like I've lost interest in a franchise that I thought I would never have lost interest in, or maybe not lose interest, but I wasn't as happy with how certain games panned out, but then completely surprised by how other games panned out and now we're like up there as my favorites of all time so this was this was a very up and down decade for me but overall like i'm very satisfied with the games i got this decade this decade was rather impressive with the amount of creative uh content that came out and kudos to all the developers that really stuck by their guns and got their weird shit into video games Right. Yeah, I mean, I think this decade really, it really benefited from uh, accessibility for developers. I mean, you have the Unreal Engine, which actually, I mean, you had it before, right? Uh, we saw Unreal Engine 3 and 4 uh, really work out this decade, but I think the thing that kind of changes the licensing structure for it, it just became way more accessible for, you know, for you to try it out and uh, you know, make a game and even make some money off the game before you actually have to start spending a bunch of money on licensing. You had Unity, uh, you know, thanks to the proliferation, there we go, of uh, social media. You have a lot of resources to help you, you know, develop games, even if you don't have a formal education. So you have a lot more ideas in the pool. Uh so yeah, I mean, you know, not to mention you just have better hardware. You know, you just have better hardware, and also on consoles, we saw you know a lot of develop on the developer. We saw the hardware go from 
all these different types of uh, proprietary hardware to more uniform hardware uh, and more uniform frameworks and things like that. And it makes it easier for developers to get their games up and running and uh, on multiple platforms, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I think it just shows that to the strength of like, you know, making accessibility is where it is. Actually, I mean, we, gaming changed in general this decade because now games are really built for accessibility. I mean, uh, look at the way they balance Overwatch. League of Legends. League of Legends beat out Here's a New Earth because of accessibility. Fortnite is doing phenomenal because of accessibility. Now, does that mean that, you know, they shouldn't make things a little bit harder and uh, those experiences aren't worth anything? No, that's not true because I've been playing GTFO recently with my friends and that has been a great experience. Very difficult, phenomenal experience, though. Uh, I know for me, this decade, I've played more games than I've ever played in my life. This decade, this one decade. And it has a lot to do with running this website. You know, when we first started in 2010, that's what we did. We did reviews. And we played everything. Everything. You know. And, you know, just, I continue to play as much as I can. Uh, and now, I mean, after this show, I mean, this show's done. We, like, I've been, we've been working on this show since August. <laughs> you know, even me, before a little bit before that. So, now that this is done uh, i have another show that we're going to be starting up soon uh probably in march of 2020 uh, and i think i'm at it's uh, it's going to force me to go back to keeping up with games the way i used to uh when i was on watchpoint radio i kind of got a reprieve from that because all have really i do is deal with overwatch but now we're we're going into something different so hopefully you'll join us for that but yeah i mean i was very very happy with this decade i'm very happy with all the time i spent playing these games a life well wasted, as someone once said. So, it was awesome. Not a waste. And I made friends along the way. That's the real prize, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, but, uh, yeah, this, this last decade has been, has been great. And I can't wait to see, you know, where we go, you know, in, in the next decade. Like, what's going to change? Because that's the one constant is change in the games industry like this technology is not going to stop moving forward you know as much as as much as people love to doom say the industry i mean it's a hundred billion dollar industry folks it ain't going nowhere anytime soon uh and they're, they're doing very well the one thing i do hope changes in the next 20 years fucking youtubers man god damn the negging on youtube was the worst part of this decade in terms of gaming I mean, there's like that's like a whole subgenre of YouTube is just negging on games. Ugh. So I hope that goes away. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. But now we're done. We're gonna close up shop here. Thank you for listening. Cause I, uh, for most of you, I assume you listen to at least most of these shows. So thank you for listening. If you are a Patreon supporter, thank you very much for listening, and thank you for your support. Cause you didn't just have twelve episodes; you had thirty-three. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys very much for all your support and, uh, you know, the kind words about the series and everything. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if you want to give some feedback, I I've been mentioning this whole series, you know, we can, you can reach us on discord.me uh, slash mash those buttons. Uh, you can email us at contact at mash buttons.com or you can reach out to us on the mash network on Twitter. You guys can give out your social media info. Yeah, you can find me at S'mores Pop Tart on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. 
And you can find me at KeylockMVP on all my social medias, on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch.tv. And you can find me streaming on Twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. And also you can find me on Twitter at Jostradamus uh, for now. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how long people listen to this. <laughs> you can always go to the Matches Button website. I'm pretty sure you can find it there, too. And like I said, for Patreon supporter, thank you guys very much. Uh, if you enjoy our content and you want to help to, uh, you know, help us produce more content like this, you can do so for as little as $1 a month and receive Patreon bonuses. Uh, for this series, the patrons received uh, an honorable mentions episode at the, at the dollar tier or the fan tier, or an honorable mentions episode for every episode. And also uh, at the support tier, support tier patrons received the honorable mentions episode and a draft episode, which I would highly recommend listening to. They are very good. And they were a lot of fun most of the time. So, yeah, thank you guys very much. It has been a blast. Thank you, Mikey and Christina, for joining me on these uh, on this this journey through the last decade. And uh, Mike, I still don't hate you. I still don't hate you. <laughs> I don't hate you either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, as we as we say that with guns pointed at each other. <laughs> yeah, it might <laughs> be a doom shotgun, but yeah, you know <laughs> <laughs> that's our relationship. But yeah. uh, once again, thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll see you soon. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 